Rich, it's happened. They've broken me. I haven't even got an intro written for this week. Because honestly, what's the what is the absolute point? I don't understand anymore. No, it kind of feels like we've reached tipping point. It kind of felt before tonight like we've reached tipping point. For me, it was the moment Rashford was out, confirmed to be out for however long as a result of essentially mm-hmm. the club overplaying him when he already had a back injury. That was kind of the moment where you know, I think he's dragged us through so many games this season. And I think that was the point for me. And, 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 and I think United's response to it as well, in that United, even the response to, in this transfer window has been basically to do the square sum of nothing. And I kind of feel like we're at a tipping point in terms of... A tipping point in terms of Solskjaer because we're seeing what we know is that he's just not really a good good enough. I've wanted him, I've wanted him to be good enough for a very long time, but the, the signs just haven't been there. And But ultimately, mm. <clears throat> you know, the, my... I, I almost feel ambivalent to his future now because the the wider issue is that for me the club has given up on even trying to be a competitive football team. The the wider issues are far are far more pressing, and that's the fact that we've had a tiny squad all season, which was ridiculous um, miscalculation by everybody concerned. And we're now twenty two days into the January transfer window. We've lost virtually all of our key players to injuries that we needn't have lost them to for so long because we had to flog them. And we're not. We've not signed anybody, and that, to me, just says that the club aren't really interested in attempting to be any better. Mm. I'll stop you there, Rich, because you've got plenty of time for soliloquies over the next hour or so, and we do have some semblance of a show to actually produce this evening. So, yes, hello, welcome to Red Voices. Manchester United are rubbish, and we're going to start with that Wolves game from last week when we weren't great, but at least we didn't lose. Uh, right. Wolves in the FA Cup. Uh, not really a fantastic performance. Uh, quite a decent work by Juan Maguire to set up uh, Martial, who then slid in Juan Mata with a he ran, he ran rich and scored a goal. And we're through to the fourth round. And God knows when we're actually going to be playing, if we're going to be playing at all against either Tranmere or Watford, depending on their replay, which happens tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes on. Um, uh, through to the cup. I mean that that's something, I guess. I don't know. I mean, after watching tonight, I mean, just for context, we are recording barely minutes after full time on Wednesday night after United's 2-0 defeat to Burnley. And yeah, I think not that the team didn't try hard tonight. I think I'm replicating the amount of effort that the board seems to be putting into matters when it comes to actually trying to get Manchester United out of this mini rut they have managed to dump themselves into over the last several years. Um, I mean... I guess the big turning point, sorry, talking point of that Wolves game is, as you just mentioned there, Marcus Rashford's injury. You know, that's uh, a defining moment of, I think, Solskjaer's reign to this point and also this season and where potentially things could have gone. Um, You know, there's other injuries to discuss as well. You know, you mentioned Scott McTominay and Paul Pogba and Maguire as well. You know, there's been instances over these last several months where you could almost certainly point to United's handling of these players as a club and say that was not good enough. Now, if we believe the line that Pogba wanted to play against Newcastle despite the fact that he wasn't ready, then that was a mistake for United's medical team to allow him to play because it just exacerbated the situation. For Rashford, he had been playing a lot of football and regardless of the fact that he had a stress fracture prior to playing against Wolves, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out maybe we shouldn't have been playing as much as we had. You know, and then you look at McTominay, that's you know, I guess there's a certain amount of sympathy with Solskjaer for that in the sense that Maguire took that knock to the knee in what was it, the game against Newcastle? 
and uh, subsequently carried on until the end of the half and then it was clear that it was a lot more serious than initially thought. So maybe there's a little bit of play responsibility for that one. But regardless, United's handling of this situation, the injury situation, has been pretty shocking. Yeah. I, th- I, was, I was thinking about this tonight that United have long since become a place where young, talented players fail to develop and possibly even regress. But we've now also become a place where we take young, talented players and we're actually possibly a threat to their physical health because of the ongoing issues at the club you know I have I have some sympathy for Solskjaer I know I know people want to um wanted to load the vast majority of the blame for Rashford's injury onto him but ultimately he's been put in a position where he's got a squad which is woefully inadequate in terms of numbers and quality for a season of four competitions and He's in terms of his job because of the way the season started. He's been living fortnight to fortnight, really, for the last three or four months, and and has really got this far because every time we've lost a couple of games, we've also won a couple again. But to do that, he's had to use the same players over and over and over and over again because he could just he couldn't afford to leave them out because there was no there was no viable alternative. And you know, I don't for a minute imagine that he believed that when he essentially sort of semi-sidelined the Manu Matic in the summer, made it clear that he was probably just going to be a, a random squad player. And there was even talk of him leaving in January. I don't think he could was ever could possibly imagine that he would have to be relying on him two games a week, every week, for months, because he he, he has two, literally has two fit central, midf- central midfield players at the football club. Um, you know, that, I think I think the... the, the I said before the match that the, the most ridiculous thing in the world is we've seen the, the quotes from Tahith Chong's agent today about how he has a supposedly has an issue with Solskjaer and wants to leave and it looks like he's going to go to Italy and a lot of money there and United are actually having to take this guy in squads to match days because we don't have enough other players to fill up a squad and this is a guy who in the minutes that he's got I mean I think he's a very talented kid and he's very very good at under 23 level and he may well become a really good footballer but in the first team moments that he's got he's shown he's woefully short of where he needs to be to, to be playing at premiership level at the moment well he's underprepared isn't he he's underprepared you know, I'm not blaming realistically him. haven't prepared him sufficiently enough yeah. to, to make this jump up yeah you know you could say that about several players who haven't necessarily had the loans required to actually get into that level you know not everyone can be a Rashford or a Mason Greenwood you know you do need the likes of Gomez and Chong to actually get some time away from United's development side to actually try and grow and try and turn into better footballers at a higher level of the game because under 23 level is not sufficient no but if you if you think you've got a guy like Angel Gomez who um you know he was brought up in Salford he's 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 a United fan he's been at United since he was I was going to say he's knee high to a grasshopper, but he's still knee high to a grasshopper. But uh-huh. Ole. But you know, there, there's there's a kid who essentially looks like he's going to leave United, and 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 I honestly, honest to God, don't think I could blame him. Not because, not because I think it's all United's fault that he's not made made more. He's not made more of a splash at first team level, but because if I was a 19, 20 year old kid who was coming through at United, I would look at the way that we're really damaging young footballers at the moment and I would think even if I'm a United fan I don't want don't think this is the best place for me and I mean you can look at a guy like look at a guy like um, 
Our lovely left winger from Swansea, whose name I've forgotten. Dan about. James. Dan James. What's <laughs> wrong with me? Made such it's late. It's, it's very late. That, you know, Dan James has come in, and both he and the club have said that he, the intention was for him to play 25, 30 games maximum this season and just adjust to Premiership level and adjust to the team. And because of the way the recruitment's been mishandled, he's played. He came in, did really well. Now he just looks like a guy who's completely lost, and he's been flogged. He's been flogged twice a week for months and months and months Fred's improved a lot in the last few months but he's playing twice a week and he's surely going to run out he's, he's, his legs have got to run out at some point you know they're all just wait, they're I all don't just know a, about that I don't know but, I, but, but, but the point is they're all just a walking injury and none, none, none mm. of none of what is happening on a day to, on a weekly or day to day basis at United is good for those players physically or developmentally I don't think no no, no I wouldn't disagree with that Rich and I think the key component in this is that this was another completely foreseeable situation that we envisaged happening in the summer when we let, what was it, seven, eight first-team players go. Another one in Ashley Young has left uh, this last week to go to join Inter Milan. And United brought in three players to replace them. Now, obviously, there's the element that we did bring in uh, a couple of players from our uh, under-23 team. So Brandon Williams has made up a bit of a shortfall for players you know left back slash right back and then you've got Mason Greenwood coming in who's helped to offset the loss of Lukaku to a certain extent but these are young players meaning that they needed to be bed slowly into the game and when you're losing the likes of McTominay who's played every game and would be starting games like this tonight make no mistake and probably most of our games over the Christmas fixture list and the likes of Paul Pogba missing and you've lost your chief creator slash goal scorer and Marcus Rashford it's no small wonder that you've got a situation now where we're just so susceptible to everything falling apart you know we could see this happening and this was going to be brewing if United didn't properly take their summer recruitment seriously now at the time we thought that the actual deals that we got through were pretty decent provided we could keep the squad fit and that has just not happened. And the fact that United have actually allowed a situation to build up to this point. Here we are, 22nd of January. You could see prior to getting into January that midfield was definitely an area that we needed to strengthen coming into this transfer window. So far, we've been haggling with Sporting Lisbon over a sale for Bruno Fernandes, who may or may not be very good. Who knows? And there's been... Zero talk of any replacement, meaning it's most likely going to be Bruno Fernandes or Bust. And when it comes to any sort of striker uh, replacement, not even so much for Rashford, just to help the likes of Martial and Rashford and take a little bit of the weight off their shoulders. Because as you mentioned there, Dan James has been flogged. Jesse Lingard is having a terrible season. And Andreas Pereira just isn't very good. So just bringing someone in to help offset that you know, complete vacuum of creativity that we currently had in the side should be seen as a real priority. But, you know, you talked about it yourself. United just do not see things that way. You know, they do not see... They do not, there's no sense of urgency in the way that we've gone about things because ultimately the board and the guy leading us just don't care enough. You know, and I think that's that's a really difficult thing to wrap your head around because you know obviously there's an element that we as fans are always going to care more about this club than the board members and the glazers and edward wood that's just you know and that's natural but i've never fully appreciated just how little they actually care for what's going on at united until this last 
18 months or so you know there's been some really great points you know we've had some really nice games but if you look at the situation that's been allowed to boil and fester and where we are at this exact moment right now with the fact that again you know here we are haggling over Bruno Fernandes trying to make a stand this this is exactly the wrong time to be making a stand about inflated fees for how much we could be paying for players who probably do not want to be joining us in the summer considering that we're six points off fourth position as of this defeat tonight combined with the fact that we're just not very good at winning football games (laughs) so that was a bit of a ramble i mean to be fair you've made rambles your forte over the last several years so i think you'll forgive me that one no you can Uh, ramble away yeah yeah Thank you, thank you. All right, well, let's leave Let's leave this discussion for now. Liverpool on Sunday. That was a bit crap, really, wasn't it? Could have been all right. Could have drawn. Had a couple of half-decent chances, but I'm going to start thinking... I might start using this uh, low quality in the squad klaxon. So every time we have to feel like we need to say this very obvious point, I'm just going to insert that into the audio. What do you reckon? <laughs> you could have used that horn about six times over the cor- course of that Liverpool game. And we're going to keep on referring back to it. But yeah, oh God, the Liverpool game. I mean, it could have been all right. It genuinely could have been all right, which is the very weird thing. We probably played better on Sunday than we did tonight. Liverpool's another game I looked at, and don't, don't get me wrong, Liverpool are an absolutely sensational team at the moment. They're an absolute, they're a, they're a, they're a steamroller, aren't they? They've not lost a home game in the Premier League, I think, for three years. You know, the chances of United going there and getting a win or any sort of result were, were pretty minimal. And I didn't, but I didn't even think Liverpool played that well for a lot of that game. I think that they were still several gears better than United in the first half, and somehow didn't get that second goal. And then that just kind of kept United in the game. And the only thing I can say is that Fred had an absolutely worldy of a second half, which which really kind of kept United to some degree on the front foot and kept them in the game for for most of the second half, even if we only really had one or two really good chances to to equalise but it's just poking over the cracks isn't it really the problem the problem we had at Anfield is that if we'd have had Rashford out and if we'd have maybe perhaps had Pogba out <clears throat> even McTominay I would have given us a punch's chance of playing on the counter and you could have seen that we could have made something out of that second half a bit more quality on the counter and a, a bit more movement and just just having better players but the reality is they're not there and and the guys who the guys who were there just don't have the quality in the front in the in the final third to really finish off any momentum that we gain in the game at the moment, and and that's really where you are. I mean, you can't really can't really criticise us getting caught for the second goal at the end because we had to punt everybody forward for the uh, for the corner. But it was just it's just another depressing footnote in the season. In that, as good as Liverpool are, that was a game. But I didn't. There was I literally had zero hope that game and I don't really recall another time I've had absolutely no hope whatsoever <laughs> for United game no no I mean again the weird thing about that game was I mean let, let's pivot to a little bit because you know talking about United is a very draining procedure and we'll get onto that in a little while too but the interesting thing about this Liverpool side is that they have basically turned into the most lethal of Sir Alex Ferguson's size in the sense that they still look susceptible if you actually get on and press at them and actually pressure them and force them into the occasional mistake but they're often so lethal in these sort of situations that it often becomes a redundant scenario anyway and i guess you know they the the really 
maybe not frustrating. The surprising thing to me in the context of Liverpool season is that more teams haven't put in them put them under more pressure. You know, if you can weather storms like we did at the start of the second half and still come out very, you know, relatively close to uh, Liverpool on the scoreline, then there's a game there that you can actually make out of it. You know, the, with a, with more quality, we could definitely have gotten a result in that game. You know, you look at the chance Pereira had, and he just comes off his studs, gets his legs mixed up, and just can't quite get anywhere near it. Great cross by Rambasaka, who, as you mentioned, has actually turned into a pretty decent attacking outlet over the last couple of games. So fair play to him, but that's probably just poorly timed because no one else is getting anywhere near him. Anyway... Second half, uh, well, Fred with that half-decent run right through the middle from his own half, I think it was, and couldn't get the shot on target. I mean, again, as you mentioned there, he did have a really good game on the ball, making things happen, winning it back, and his touch and ability to actually hold play up has actually gotten a lot better. That's been one enjoyable aspect of what we've seen over the last several months. The problem is, is that he's just not very good whenever he gets close to goal. And that's a bit of a key problem at the minute, considering that you could say that for almost every single one of our players. Yeah. And yeah, the one player that you really would were hoping to see something from on Sunday was Anthony Martial. And there is some level of sympathy, as there is tonight, in the sense that he got several opportunities and he had that one uh, Anfield on Sunday where he's basically just snatched at it and he's just smashed it straight into the stands. And... It would be more forgivable if it wasn't for the fact that this United team creates next to nothing. Yeah, I mean he had he had a couple of presentable chances tonight as well, but I think he he looks he looks like a guy who's suddenly lost all his confidence, which the entire team does, to be honest. Again tonight, actually, particularly in the well in the first half anyway, United's transitions from back to front are pretty good from the from their third to the final third are actually pretty pretty good. We were, the centre backs are decent at passing between the lines Fred Fred is generally pretty positive with his passing and we can get we got into the final third quite a few times against Liverpool but but there's just nothing there and I mean I like Martial I think he's the best finisher at the club but I I can see that he's a certain sort of striker and if if that particular type isn't working on the day we've got nothing else as an alternative I mean he had that you know that one chance was the one the, the chance that he slashed across the face of or just over the over the top from about seven or eight yards at Anfield that was the one you know if that had gone in perhaps we would have had a game but one of the one of the things I've noticed about Liverpool this season is that just it's like you say that they look like teams can get at them quite a lot of the time but it just seems like when they have to when they have to turn the screw again they just they could just do it and if you know you, you get the impression if United had scored they'd just have they they just do up up the tempo and and, and scored again, um, and you know that's not even really a reflection on United. It's just what they do to teams. It was just another depressing game, and it was a game we, we lost at Anfield, and I didn't really see, feel very much because I had long since said you know made my peace with with losing there. Which one of the, one of the one of the annoying things for me is that when during, you know during those twenty years when United were so preeminent 20 odd years when United preeminent under Fergie what was that like I can't remember now but 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 Liverpool you know Liverpool used to we used to play against Liverpool and whilst we had a pretty good pretty good record generally they were always capable of turning us over much as we were much as we were really before you know for much of the 80s we were always capable of turning each other over even when the other team was was dominant in, in in global terms but there was none of that. Yes, there was none of that at the weekend. There was absolutely no chance whatsoever of United winning that game of football. Absolutely none. No. And 
you know that's the point we're at now and I think it, it led on to it led on to today because that looked that looked like a game to me that was just a game too far and it felt like a game too far before it we you know we'd lost we lost Rashford essentially for the rest of the season which must be an enormous psychological blow for, for everybody for all the other players because he's essentially been the guy who's been the leader in that team the 22 year old's been the leader in the team for the last few months and he's gone and it just looked to me like all belief in anything they were doing that anybody could produce anything that that would tip the match in United's favour was just never there and even though we had a couple of decent chances in the first half even those those were you know we snatched at them in in the manner that suggested we weren't really particularly believing in ourselves and you know I just feel perhaps Anfield and then and then tonight we've reached the tipping point where having individuals who can pull a match out of the fire like Rashford was like perhaps Pogba can we haven't got enough of them anymore and there aren't enough there to 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 really win games against teams that that set up compactly and defend reasonably competently there's nothing there there's no, mm. there's no variety, there's no variety left in our our forward line, is there, to to break a team down? Well, I mean, the one of the many, many frustrating things <laughs> going on with Manchester United at the minute, and you could look at that first half. I'd say we carved up three really decent opportunities in that first half. Martial had two, and one where a cross was deflected towards Mata, and he couldn't get his legs sorted out in time. That was a little bit behind him, but at the same time, you expect a bit better than that. The frustrating thing is that when we do create opportunities like that, we're simply not taking them. You know, Martial at the minute looks low on confidence. And in terms of his positional sense, he's drawing a lot of ire at the minute for not doing things that a typical number nine does. Now, I'm not sure what he's being coached, but the simple thing of sticking the ball in the back of the net, he is not being great at of late, which obviously with the lack of Rashford, with the fact that he doesn't really have any other backup, is a massive glaring problem, you know, and going into that first half in particular, you knew this was going to be a tight game. Burnley have drawn at Old Trafford for the last three games in a row, and in two of those games, if I recall correctly, they've been 2-0 up in both, might have surrendered the lead late on, but have shown themselves to be very capable and completely unafraid when it comes to playing in the stadium. So I'm not sure why United thought it was going to be any different tonight, and Again, you know, let's talk about that Achilles heel of ours. This almost, what's the word I'm searching for? Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of this utter devotion that Meatloaf has to that woman in the I Would Do Anything For Love video. Like when it comes yeah. to trying to get rid of <laughs> zonal marking, it, it, it's just insane. Like it just will not let it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we not just admit that the zonal marking experiment has just completely and utterly failed? Nine goals this season shipped just in the league with this completely unfit for purpose system. All it was is a free kick. What was it? Ben Me that headed it onward and then Chris Wood bashes it in. And as soon as that went in, you could feel, even through the television, you could feel the entirety of the stadium's atmosphere completely and utterly drop. And the team said as well, didn't it? I mean, we I think we had the um, the Martial chance in the second half where Mata dummied it and Martial was in space in the area and kind of mis miscontrolled and it was deflected over. But once we got, I really once we got a goal behind, United never really looked like scoring, did they? 
there wasn't any significant amount of pressure that they they put on Burnley, and I, it almost felt like a, we we deserved it when we we went two 0 down, and there just was no response to anything, was there? And and that you could see it's it's part belief, it, it's part a complete lack of a, a team structure, and it's part a complete lack of quality in in a lot of or in too many positions. Burnley have come and come and done an absolute number on us, and we've offered absolutely no answer to it at all once once the shit hit the fan I'm, I'm kind of struggling I know we I know we kind of have to go through these games and, and analyze the key moments and, and everything else but it, but it's almost like everything is shit so <laughs> but it is I mean, well it's... I mean let, let, let's get that second goal out of the way quickly it was a really good strike by Jay Rodriguez but we were all noticing it Burnley had basically done exactly what Liverpool had done for the last waves of that first half on Sunday they pushed high up the pitch when United were in possession because they knew they could harry us off the ball they harried us off the ball and Jay Rodriguez blasted a strike that Prime De Gea would almost definitely have saved 2-0 and as soon as that went in you're thinking we're not getting back into this done? yep that was done. I think what about that substitution? Uh, Luke Shaw coming on when we needed a goal or two. Well, I mean, I think of that. Honestly, again, I have I have some have some sympathy there with Ollie. I don't think there's a single thing he could have done at that point that would have made any any different. The only error in terms of personnel that I think he made, and I think it was quite a significant one, was starting Pereira over Greenwood. Um, I think that set the tone. I think it was a it, not a coward's move, but it was a. It was a- I think it was a move where basically Solskjaer's look at it and said, I would rather not start Greenwood if I can get away with it. Yeah. That's essentially what that said to me. I think that's right. So so he, he, he keeps picking a guy who is significantly less good at football than anybody else at Manchester United, um, really. Um, instead, just because, just because he's older, I think, really. He's older, he's a bit more experienced, but he doesn't have the talent. And... It's, it seems harsh, but and it's not it's not Pereira's fault that he's repeatedly picked to play for Manchester United, but he is, and he's clearly, you know, I think I've said I, I think I was, when we were talking to Paul about it a few weeks ago that he's not. I don't even think he's a Premier League footballer. If I'm honest, I don't, I don't think he's a Premier League footballer. I think if United were to to move him on in two or three years, he'd probably find himself in the Segunda Division or <clears throat> the Championship or something. Because I just don't think he's a United standard footballer. But that, but that, too too often, Ollie too often he takes a conservative route, conservative in terms of system, in terms of selections, in terms of substitutions. You know, he's not decisive enough in the calls he makes. But then, apart from me thinking, for Christ's sake, just keep Greenwood away from this shit show as long as much as possible, because I don't want to see another young player come in to a team that's completely lacking in direct direction and leaders and quality and everything else and just get eaten up by the same crap that's 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 devoured everybody else or nearly everybody else mm. I want to talk about Oli I want to talk about his deficiencies because there are many 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 deficiencies he's not good enough to be Manchester United's manager by a long 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 way but it all just seems it just seems superfluous really whether he stays whether he goes the reality is the next guy who comes in will have the same squad who probably have no more players and I'll, this is a limited group now without Rashford without Pogba without you know even even losing Lindelof tonight I don't even like Lindelof I don't even rate Lindelof I think he's a pretty average footballer but you, your drop off is from Lindelof to Jones I don't know I mean I think Phil Jones was really the least of our worries tonight I thought for the base level of Phil Jones that I was expecting that was a Vidic level performance well, he, was, <laughs> he wasn't cal- in comparison he wasn't calamitous was he but, but the point the point is that 
I, I think I think that the, the, the whole back four of United in the last few weeks, and I think the set pieces is part of that. It clearly just doesn't trust itself. And I think if you if you insert Phil Jones into that, you're just exaggerating that a little bit more because you know mm. everybody in the crowd and all of us watching are thinking whenever the ball goes near Phil Jones, what's going to happen now? And, and then if he does something that's pretty competent, you actually relieved stroke pleased I don't know it's it's a positive experience just seeing him do something competent so it's the most fun I had all night I know I think it just I just think it just just contributes to a lack of belief and trust in the team and and whatever else and it's in terms of numbers we haven't even got that many players out injured I don't think have we you know it's not it's not significant numbers but it's basically almost every single it's three players who would be playing in that starting eleven. Well, I think it's four. It's Straight four, away, aren't there? I mean, Batomane yeah. would probably be playing as well. So, and, and they're they're four key players. It's the the real spine and quality of that team. The reality is, you take four players out of Manchester United's team, and even Lindelof doesn't even really count. I don't even really like him that much. But you take three players out of United's team, and it, there's nothing. There's nothing left. That's where we are. That's that's where the club is because it. And it's not. There's not nothing left because. I mean, clearly lots of mistakes have been made, but there's nothing left because the club have made a decision to create a situation where there's nothing left because we've sold. I don't know. We, I think we've 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 moved on ten or eleven players in the last two years, and in the same period we've signed five. Mm. So we took a squad that wasn't balanced. It didn't have enough quality to be a, a title-winning squad, but it at least had numbers that could compete in three or four different competitions, and you just siphoned that away. And the, the the only thing I can the only thing I can think uh, there's clearly a competence issue there, but the only thing I can think is that the club and I, the owners have decided that <clears throat> attempting to be competitive and failing to be competitive isn't worth it anymore. I mean, sadly enough, that is kind of what it feels like. You know, we've had games over the last several years, over the course of the six and a half years since Ferguson retired, where you've looked at it and thought, God. With everything that's going on, that is a new low for everything that's out on the pitch. And the thing is, it's performances like this where there is such a clear divergence in quality from what we, what Manchester United, quote unquote, aspires to be, to what we actually see on the pitch with the amount of money that we've spent in this period. It, it, it's the only logical conclusion you can come to is, as you said there, Rich, that the higher ups have decided that investing large sums of money consistently into this team is just not worth the effort anymore you know yeah we people can turn around and say yeah we spent 80 million pounds on harry Maguire, however much on Bambisaka and daniel james as well and you know for a team below our level that's a significant summer outlay you know it's not like it was nothing but you combine that with the fact that we sold you know, well, how was it a minute? Eight, nine players now and time players over the last couple of years. And we haven't really replaced the majority of them. And as mentioned, we brought in a couple of youth products basically to plug some gaps. You know, it, the only way you can look at it is that this is an exercise in basically saving money. That's what it's turned into. And the, the problem, I say the problem, because there's so many different problems at the moment now. Looking at solvable issues... We've gotten to this point with uh, Moyes, we got to it with Van Gaal, we got to it with Mourinho, and we're now at to this point with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where he is now becoming the most solvable issue that United have the power to do something about. 
And when it comes to the transfer market, we're still woefully inequipped. You know, the, the hilarious thing about it is, all right, Edward Wood was hired as United's uh, chief executive with no footballing expertise or knowledge. In six and a half years, it doesn't really seem to have gotten any better. <laughs> so I'm not really expecting anyone to come through the door there. But regardless, you know, we're, we're what, one week left of the transfer window. And I don't see anyone realistically coming through at this stage, even after tonight's defeat. Just don't think we've got it in us. But regardless, Solskjaer has turned into United's most solvable problem at the moment because of results and performances like this. And again, it's important to state that it is not just on him. You cannot look at the situation and say it is all on him. But the problem is, is that with performances like this, with results like this, with a lack of tactical cohesion, with a lack of any discernible attacking patterns or plan, he just makes himself too easy to sack. And that is a really, really, really sad thing to say. I feel genuinely pained by saying that. But it's the truth. Yeah, it's... And it's gutting that it's the truth. But it's right. Some of the shit he said in the last few weeks. I mean, I, I don't listen to managers generally. I stopped listening to press conferences. Gen- well, here's a point, Rich. Tonight, as he said, we're looking to improve. We've got our targets. This is our second defeat at home since August. Oh, it's just bullshit. It's excuses. I mean, and I thought we had turned that corner. I yeah. mean, oh... The, the bullshit, I mean, you know, I, I don't like listening to managers and I got really hung up on particularly Moyes, the sorts of stuff he used to say in press conferences, he used to drive me at the wall. So I don't, I didn't listen because I've always felt that if, if, if a team's winning winning games, a manager can say what he likes, as stupid as what as, as, it, as it might be, and it doesn't matter. If he's not winning games, <clears throat> you know, it's the stupid stuff we picked up on, but he's got to the point now where he's just embarrassing himself. Um you know, and I, 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 I honestly, I do feel so much sympathy for him because we talked about this at the time. But appointing him when we did was absolutely abs- the most ridiculous thing of all the ridiculous things that that Woodward's done in the last few years was <clears throat> briefing endlessly that he he was going to give themselves until the summer and do a, a thorough interview and recruitment process and then pick the right manager and then just gave in and gave the job to the guy who'd done well in the short term before he'd ever actually proved that he could get out of a rut. You know, Solskjaer, it's not Solskjaer's fault. Solskjaer got the opportunity to manage the club that he loves and he's taken it and now he's just clinging on to it. But the, but, but the stuff he says, you know, he's not he's not learned in terms of the way he speaks and the way he presents himself from the very beginning. And when things turn, he just says the most ridiculous things. You know, the thing he said about the Liverpool game, at the weekend that, that the way we played showed showed the <clears throat> progress we're making and before the City game the City game was the worst one wasn't it you know saying oh look they put their best team out there which shows us shows how much they respect us after they literally just wiped their asses on us you know oh I mean this is just it, it's painful god I mean there was a point in my life where Solskjaer was genuinely and remains you know for the memories that he gave us one of my favorite United players I remember going to watch United versus Celtic in what was uh, Ollie's last season where he was coming on doing his super sub routine he scored a really decent goal against Celtic in the group stages that season 2006-2007 I think it was and it was so wonderful to see him actually score a goal in the flesh and he did it again a couple of times. I got to a couple more games that season. It was so lovely to see him enjoying football again after all those injury worries and all the problems that he'd been having and to see him do his thing. And he was he is responsible for one of the joint best memories of football that almost everyone associated with it is ever going to have in their lives. And 
it's so upsetting to see the way that this situation is unfolding and the fact that whenever he opens his mouth at the minute due to the way that things it's not even how things are being framed just the way that he's choosing to approach situations and matters it's just so sad to see him just shooting himself in the foot it's so painful and difficult to watch because i still got the greatest respect for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the footballer when it comes to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the manager it's fast fast evaporating <laughs> really is that is it isn't it you know I, I i i i can never i can't feel any malice towards him i can't feel any anger towards him no i mean where is the malice like i've, I've got no anger towards him you know the man did really good job for those first couple of months when he took united a United side that was completely falling apart under Jose Mourinho. He turned us into a team that could actually show some unity and togetherness and win games. We got that amazing night in Paris. And then at that point, Edward Wood made a very emotive decision, decided, yes, you're good enough for this. You've got the job. What was he going to say? No, No, of course not. That was his whole, that was what he'd wanted to do his whole life, you know, and I understand why, but you know, I don't begrudge him taking the job. I don't begrudge him the fact that he probably won't want to resign either. You know, I don't. I can't imagine that would be a very easy thing to do. But the fact is, it doesn't stop the situation being woefully inadequate, and that's from Ed Woodward's part in this as well, and the board's part in it. Nothing about this is working. But the th- the thing is, the thing is, saying things like he has in the last week or two, he's taken everybody for idiots. I know, I know he's just, I know his thing, his, you know, all his thing is being positive. He's always positive about his players. He's positive about football matches. He, he, his thing is, at least in public, always be positive. But some of the things that he's been saying are literally almost insulting to to the fans who are watching it and and can see that that what it, what he's saying is the absolute opposite. I don't feel he's not up to it. I don't feel strongly if he gets sacked or if he doesn't, because I think they're all far far wider issues. And I there's no there's no there's no answer to this. I don't see an answer. There's lots of you know there's lots of clips on Twitter tonight of various pundits, Rio Ferdinand and, and various others going mad about different things. There's Jason McAteer blaming Paul Pogba. Amazingly, to quote, I don't get Paul Pogba, he just upsets the dressing room. He has too much influence on the younger players. That's who he has to blame for Manchester United's mm-hmm. deny, demise. But, but but the point is, there are lots and lots of pundits getting very, very angry about this. And you would expect United fans to be angry as well. But the point is, I don't think I don't think we are anymore. And I don't think, whilst everybody can look at Solskjaer and say he's not good enough, does it make a great deal of difference anymore at the moment? Not really, because because there's no there's no desire to get any better. There's no, you know, United have got the manager they deserve because they've appointed a guy who isn't good enough, and he was now saying things which are genuinely embarrassing for Manchester United, mm-hmm. as well as producing results that are embarrassing for Manchester United. And if if the Glazers cared, if Woodward cared, really cared, we wouldn't be in this situation. But the reality is they don't. And and one of the saddest things of all is that there are lots of United fans on my timeline that are very very sad but I don't think there are many United fans who are really angry or who it's going to spoil their week or you know United United playing badly really used to ruin certainly ruin my weekend and probably ruin my week <laughs> and now it's yeah. just like well I don't imagine there are any any non-United fans who listen to this pod anyway but I, you know I, I appreciate 
we're still not the worst run football club in the football league or the or wherever you know we're getting really a taste of the kind of Mike Ashley's aren't we at, at Newcastle essentially mm. um, and the difference being that at least every once in a while I guess now Mike Ashley feigns a bit of interest and throws a bit of money a manager's way whereas it, it, it appears now that there's not even feigned interest at, at mm. United so what you're saying is get Steve Bruce well, do you know what? I mean, I suppose... Oh, no, 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 no. Right, okay, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Not in terms of getting Steve Bruce, but I, I think if we're talking in purely managerial terms, if you if you look at what Steve Bruce has done this season with Newcastle, given the investment mm. he had, given the fact he hasn't got a striker that's scored more than two goals this season, to have them where he is, he's massively outperforming Solskjaer at United. Um, well, yeah, that's not... Well, it's it's not. I mean, it's though, really is it? Just, we have lost more Premier League games since his appointment than we won. Yeah, saw uh, Daniel Story's tweet on on Twitter about Solskjaer, and he was just saying that, and he's right um, that there's not another Premier League club in in the you know in the league that would spot managers with us, and there isn't. But I also don't think there's a Premier a Premier League club where the owners are less interested in football matches less interested in winning football matches and you know we're at a tipping point now just not just in terms of results and but but you look at Old Trafford tonight I know it's just we're after Christmas I know there's been lots of games but there's a lot of a lot of empty seats at Old Trafford tonight there were large pockets of emptiness within 10 minutes of the end you're getting audible chants about the Glazers and Woodward now but it's never enough it they, they feel like the chance of fans that are just tired rather than the chance of fans that are really angry and frothing at the mouth for for blood it's just it, it's just a response of we're, we're gonna we're gonna protest because this is the point we've got to but we don't really believe it anything's gonna happen i don't know i mean the, the fact that old trafford as one stood up when uh the chant of stand up if you hate glazer ringed around the place i mean yes Due to the sort of the quiet nature of the atmosphere, not long after that, after the Glazer chance had died down, the fact that a lot of fans left way before the final whistle, you know, I have never seen Old Trafford that empty that quickly, way before the final whistle. You know, that just does not happen in the modern day. Um, I think that's a statement, perhaps more of apathy. So I don't think you, I don't think you're wrong in the that's sense what I that mean. that was more, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's going to take. You know, we, we, you know, if we're going to talk about you know what it's going to take to change things, we all know exactly what it's going to take, and you know we've all discussed about whether or not the actual appetite within the fan base as a whole is actually there to do so. And I think mass protesting is still some way away, to be quite frank with you. Um, I think it. Who know? I mean, I don't know if actually leaving Old Trafford early and doing a load of anti-glazer chants is really going to do that much good but the thing is it can't do any damage at this point oh, no, no, you no. Know, it didn't start until 2-0 against Burnley you know a team that we'd beaten a couple of weeks previously so at this stage you know what's there's nothing to be lost by no, no. trying that tact like you might as well no, you know? no. I mean, at, the, at this yeah exact point why not no no it's, it, it, there's nothing to, to lose by it but but what I'm trying to, what I'm saying is you want compare that say to the the 2010 green and gold <clears throat> protest, which was one of <clears throat> real fervour, wasn't it? You know, for a period, um, <clears throat> I think it kind of peaked around the AC Milan match where we won four nil, and 
and Beckham was there and stuck his green and gold scarf on. But but there was kind of like a united and really passionate desire to to force them out of the club and and a belief as well. I think a belief that so at least that that something could change that 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 we could put pressure on them. Um, and I don't. I feel now like. That it's there's not that passion there. There's not that belief there that things can change. We can sing about them. We can, and you never know because ultimately I, th- I think we have reached a point now where you're going to see a lot more empty seats. You're going to see match day profits probably starting to be to be hit, and that may be a point at which somebody somewhere thinks shit. We need to do something. But but my overwhelming instinct at the moment is that they won't care and that, that they'll just continue cutting as they've been cutting mm. already um, and that's that's kind of the, the, the point we're at and I, I don't think a lot of other people believe there's anything they can actually do apart from sing abusive songs about people who in a football sense probably deserve to be abused um, <laughs> you know I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel there's that belief there and I mean perhaps 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 if things if things get even worse and it seems hard to imagine they could but they they could then maybe at some point something will really click and people will get organized but but I do believe there's a belief that the owners are not even trying and don't care anymore and so the less people turn up the less money the club has the less money that the club will spend and it will just mm. it will just tick over um, at whatever level it needs to. We are slap bang in the eye of the Glazer storm now. You know, this is what this is essentially FC United's worst nightmares come home to roost, right? This is what we were worried about in the mid two thousands when the club was bought with a leverage buyout. This is now a stadium that is being left unmaintained and not improved and essentially Manchester United Football Club is being allowed to rot and eventually it will get better and I genuinely do believe that I don't know how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen but it will maybe in our lifetime (laughs) hopefully who knows but at the moment this is a situation that does not have an easy answer or an easy fix nothing about this is simple you know this is years of neglect this is years of poorly spent money this is years of management and leadership that has led us to potentially our worst points tally in the Premier League era. Nothing about it is good enough. Nothing about it is acceptable. But in going back to less broader terms, we can't be too far away if this continues from Ole getting the sack. We just can't. You know, this is the thing. Like Ed, Ed has staked his professional reputation as he really, I don't know. I mean, he certainly put a lot of um, stock in you know, the cultural reboot, as it's been described as. But even he is not immune to the fact that if if Solskjaer keeps getting levels of performances like this out of his side, then he won't last. He simply can't. And that's sad. It's really disappointing. But ultimately, if this carries on, it will be the right decision. Make no mistake about it. Right. Should we nip over to our friends on Twitter and see what they've been saying this evening? Raw. One fantastic, right? It's a great one from Neil Christie to start off with. What needs to happen for Ollie to get sacked? <laughs> I think. I think. Oh god! I think as 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 has been the case with the last uh, with with all three managers, really, 
it will go much longer than it should and you could argue that it already had before today but I, I can imagine it's going to drag on despite the fact that it's quite clearly going nowhere now <laughs> Um, it, it, so in terms of the team is quite clearly going nowhere now I think he'll do well actually to make it past the winter break that's the, the brief winter break that's coming up um, just because of the games we've got we've got Wolves and then we've got Chelsea and we've got City again haven't we I think before the, before the break as well we've got potentially Watford or Tramier on Sunday if that game goes ahead followed by City in the League Cup followed by Wolves winter break first game back is Chelsea Right, okay. I, 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 I'm struggling to see us winning any of the next three, to be honest. And I think in those, in those circumstances, if he doesn't win any of the next three, it's very, very difficult. I mean, that, that, that winter break is almost the kind of like the a perfect time to do it, isn't it? If you're going to do it, at least you've got a man, you get a new manager in. And, but the point is, who's going to replace him? If I were Pochettino, I'd be sitting there watching this and thinking, absolutely f*** that, from, at least until the summer. Yeah, I mean, that James boy asks, what changes with another manager? It's a fantastic point. Bar a flute second and a Jose, we have only finished in the top four once, which was Van Gaal's first season, 2014 to 2015, five years ago. Yeah, well, if, if the club's not spending any money, then it doesn't matter. If, if, mm. if the club's spending at the rate they have in the last two years, it doesn't matter who you appoint, it's pointless. No, that's fine. That, that's fair enough. I mean, <laughs> there is definitely a fanciful notion of if, somehow we managed to tempt Maurizio Pochettino over to the club and I'm presuming that is with uh, several very large conditions on the Argentines part that maybe he can turn something around and maybe get something out of this club over the next couple of years but you would not put any money on it whatsoever with the way the things are going at the moment okay uh, Manashi Karimi is Oli refusing to play Gomez because he feels he's too lightweight or doesn't he want to play due to the contract issue we never really know do we but but I would imagine he's loath to play him if he's not going to sign a new contract, but he's forced to have him around because he hasn't got enough players. Uh, at Crying Go, do you like watching football? Do you know the funny thing is, since United, since since the last sort of two years, I've actually got deriving more pleasure from watching other teams play. It's really weird. Yeah, I like. I mean, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm pretty fortunate that England have got rather good at the same time that United have got rather bad, and that's that's quite a nice break. You know, we are in a situation now that's where where life is reversed. And uh, five or six years ago, thought of England was soporific, whereas now the international breaks are actually something to look forward to. <laughs> and the mm. uh, the rest of the time, I, I, I did. I messaged you earlier to say, do you look do you look forward to United games anymore? And I think you kind of said you do in a more of a conceptual way. I look forward to the idea of watching United, not the reality of watching United. Yeah. Whereas I just think, oh shit, you know, I wake up in the morning when United are playing and thinking, can I just not think about it till later on and then just get increasingly annoyed in the as the as the as the game approaches. Richard Bajoria, uh, with the long arch of history, would the first seven years of Blazer ownership be seen as a blip caused by the genius of Ferguson and the current Malays the logical conclusion of an ownership that views the football club as an advertising agency through which to extract dividends? Uh, short answer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that we haven't really given that expertly and eloquently uh, presented question, perhaps the respect it deserves, but you've hit the nail on the head there, Rishab, so well done. Um, Adam Williams, what is the way back and will a change in management have any kind of meaningful impact? I mean, what is the way back? I mean, another interesting point from uh, at Kufdam00, uh, Ollie is tactically inept, one style of play, and no idea how to change things up. Now, here's a good example of that tonight. Uh, first half, Wambasaka was getting 
quite a lot of joy down that right-hand flank. There was space for him. He was able to get several decent crosses in, and he looked like a real threat. In the second half, Burnley made adjustments. Sean Dyke made adjustments at half-time to stop that from happening. When United seemed to come up against a similar thing, they just seemed to let the course ride out for however long it's going to go to. We don't seem to be able to be very reactive in our coaching or our management or be able to pick up on these problems at all. Um, yeah, either help him and give him the tools or let the rock continue, which is a fantastic point. You know, every United manager that we've had since Ferguson has been working within similar confines and they've all been of varying levels of quality. And you look at Van Hal, and he certainly had his drawbacks and he managed to win the FA Cup. You look at Mourinho, we all know he had massive baggage and brought all of that with him from his time at Chelsea and his previous jobs before and it all turned into a predictably poisonous situation you look at Solskjaer now he is probably the least adept of the four managers that we've had since Ferguson retired and he has been given maybe less than any of them in terms of tools in terms of resources to actually get the job done and it's staggering to me that Ed Woodward staked so much on giving Solskjaer the job and again on this reboot of the side and has essentially asked him to do it one hand behind time behind his back. Regardless of Ollie's level of coaching, it's that's just stunning to me because it does not take a footballing genius or a director of football that's been in the business for 30, 40 years to look at that squad either coming into January with the problems that we were having with the fact that we were burning players out with midfield injuries to know that we needed midfield reinforcements and striking reinforcements both last summer and this month. And we've done absolutely fuck all. Wasn't he handy though? I think I think that Woodward almost couldn't believe his luck that he'd got he brought this guy into to hold the fort until the summer, and he's suddenly producing amazing results with essentially a, a squad which even with the players we had we, we we considered was inadequate in quite a few ways, and he could employ him. He wouldn't cost a huge amount to employ. And it just seemed like the perfect solution. And also, he's he's a guy who's never, ever going to complain, at least publicly. He's never, ever going to complain. He's never going to kick up a fuss. And he's never, ever going to want to lose his job. And and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people were making that point at the time. And, and it was true. But I wanted to believe that he was strong enough to at least try and push back a little bit. But I think it's it's become apparent that it's just not in his hands. And I don't know whether that would be the case for another manager or not. But, but at least... If things are going to go bad, then Woodward, if Woodward keeps him in place, there's at least some modicum of deflection. <clears throat> you know, people can, some people can still keep talking about how Solskjaer just isn't a very good manager for the next few months. And <clears throat> the question is, if, if, if Solskjaer were to lose his job in a week or two's time and Pochettino said either, I'm not having it unless you... I'm not having it till the summer regardless, and, and only then if you say you'll spend a lot of money what do we do in the meantime what do we do between now and then anyway even if we assume Pochettino would take it I don't have any faith that we'd appoint somebody who's actually going to do anybody any good in the meantime to because because the thing about Mourinho was it once Mourinho was sacked it was easy to revive things to a degree because Mourinho was a problem that was psychologically weighing on the squad so as soon as he went, mm. as soon as he went, that was lifted. With Solskjaer, I think the play, I think the players like him. I don't think the players are unhappy with their manager. I don't think if he left, suddenly people would feel re-energized and they'd feel they weren't being suffocated anymore because I think they like him. So 
unless you bring in somebody who's actually a far more skilled coach, I don't think you're going to get a lot more out of them. No, I think that is probably the most sobering thought to leave tonight on. I mean, you're completely right, mate. I mean, changing the manager is only ever going to solve so much, but it is a different set of circumstances that we'd be replacing our manager than it would have been in December of 2018. You know, it, Mourinho was a problem that had to that was relatively easy to solve in the sense that, you know, I'm not saying any manager could do what Solskjaer did. Obviously, there was a special set of circumstances lined up to create those first several months, but it worked very well, and that was a happy accident. The way that United go about replacing Solskjaer now is going to be very telling in terms of where their ambitions lie. And I do not have a lot of hope for what happens next. I can't say I've got a lot of hope for what's going to happen at the Etihad on Wednesday of next week or when Wolves come to Old Trafford. I mean, I'm going to watch every game and I will hope for better things. But my expectations and that seemingly of most of Old Trafford, considering that most of them had gone home way before the final whistle went, suggests that tells us everything we need to know about what United fans expect from this team going forward. And it's sad. It sucks. But that is simply the reality. Yeah. I'm afraid it is, yeah. Oh my god, is this... How long have we been doing this for now? Uh, four and a half years? This is easily... I mean, we've had a lot of competition for the title of most depressing episode. This has got to be the one. This is it now, surely. This is the point This is the point where I think we've all just run out of ideas and to a large degree hope, isn't it, really? I said earlier, uh, earlier in the pod that in the past there's always been a feeling... I've always had a feeling that the club wanted to be better than it had been before, but it just it just had been a bit inept, quite more very inept. Mm. But but there was there'll be money there, and perhaps they'd learn some lessons, and maybe things would be different. Whereas that it doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like the club genuinely don't really care <clears throat> if they get any better, and 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 as such, because I don't perceive any real desire to make things any better. How can we have any hope? that things will change um, you know I suppose I suppose the point now is for the club to demonstrate different and I'd, I don't mm. have a great deal of hope they'll do that but I mean if you, you know if we sacked, sacked Ollie tomorrow and employed a new a new coach what what can a new coach do on the 29th of January with two days left in the January window with a, a club that don't want to spend any money with with, mm. with his key players still injured with a tiny squad and four comp- and well, three, four competitions still, or three, three after next week. But to, to uh, possibly two, I guess. Well, it could be two. It could be two actually. Week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, you know what? What? What are they going to do in the next few months to to change what where we are? And I don't, I'm not sure there's anything they can really do. And on that very sobering thought, let's leave that there for tonight, Rich, because frankly, I want to get to bed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, is pleasure the right word? I don't think pleasure is the right word. I think necessary is the way I would deem our chat tonight. How would you describe it? Yes, I think I think it was a pertinent night, wasn't it? Because it feels like the, it feels like the night where where that has tipped things over the edge for a lot of people. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. it would have been remiss of us not to do a pod tonight and, and talk about it because you know I, I don't know about you. I've, I've felt in the last couple of months that you know I, I I enjoy doing the pod but I've often not wanted to talk about United we've we've been saying a lot of the same things but this felt like a this this tonight felt like a real a really notable point that the club's reached particularly the week the week left of the transfer window so 
yeah, I mean, it's obviously always wonderful to, to talk to your fine self. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. But no, I get it, dude. I mean, I agree. I think one of the things over the last couple of months is that there's just been so, you know, there is only so much you can continually talk about things being wrong at United without seeing any sort of change to preview wrong. You know, that you were talking there about United show, needing to show some signs of, you know, semblance of actually wanting to finish in the top four, to actually want to win a trophy this season, to bring in some good players, to fix the massive gaping holes that we have in our team. Mm. And we've got no evidence to suggest that's going to happen. So why not be brutally honest about it? Because there's nothing else we can do. Anyway, we've got to stop. We, have, we must stop. We must. Because we're going to be going on all night otherwise, despite the fact that we don't want to be talking about United. Rich, I love you. Thank you so much for being here with me. You make it a lot easier. (laughs) Right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you want to talk to us about anything that we discussed on this podcast, any feedback, if you feel like we've been a little bit too glum, well, we probably won't watch United Burnley earlier on tonight. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices. You can get me at at you and Lennox and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. And you can also catch the pod on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Apple Podcast app. Pop over to our blog at redvoices.net and give us a follow, give us a review. Those things are always mightily important and very, very useful and helpful. (sighs) Right, FA Cup at the weekend. City, then Wolves. We'll catch you at some point soon. Lots of love. Bye. (laughs) 